Hello, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition podcast, brought to you by Pew Brand Cheerios, feeding your kids off the church floor during a long sermon since 1941. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon, or on occasion, a sermon from another well sister church. If you enjoy what you're hearing today, you might also enjoy our weekday devotions, which, if you subscribe to this podcast, you will get daily in your favorite podcast app with no further effort. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in the same podcast app you're listening to right now. Let me know if you can't find it, or if you just want to say hello to me by emailing me at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. Share God's Word and share the light of the world. Today's sermon is titled, Look at the Lord's Servant, and is based on Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 6. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. For my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet, What is due me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also... Make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Now let's join Pastor Zamzo for this week's sermon. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior, the Servant of the Lord. Amen. If you open up the Bible and you start reading it, what's the most common thing you find? Is it not one big, long litany of failed servants? Isn't it one big, long list of failure? Whether you're talking patriarchs, prophets, priests, or kings, or the whole, the nation as a whole, it's a book that is strewn with failure. I was talking to a friend one time and he was trying to convince me that uh, the Old Testament was written as a, a big propaganda piece for Jewish nationalism. I couldn't help but laugh. Have you read it? Heroes of faith, we might call them sometimes, but Abraham is a habitual liar. Jacob was a cheat. Moses had a temper problem and was a coward. Almost without exception, the prophets that God called into His service were unwilling at the, the point of their call or at some point during their ministry. Think maybe of Jonah might be the most stark example. There's a guy who hated the fact that he had been called into the ministry and then he actually hated the people to whom he was called to preach. There were priests that served daily uh, in the temple who were there to offer a sacrifice, who were there to present the gifts before the Lord in the temple. Yet, 
Oftentimes they were corrupt. And they took the, the money that, that in the gifts and the sacrifice that had been offered to the Lord and they lined their own pockets with it. They led Israel astray by sacrificing oftentimes to other gods. And Israel's leaders, her kings, David was an adulterer. Solomon was a womanizer. The majority of kings in the line of David eventually fell away, chased after the gods of money, power, and popularity. Overall, thinking of the nation as a whole, God's chosen people, His special possessions, well, you know that story well enough. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and they complained and they got mad at God and they got mad at Moses. They fell away. God calls them out of their sin in some way, shape, or form. They repent and God restores them. Rinse and repeat for 40 years. And even when they get to the promised land, they ignore the commands of Moses. They ignore the law of God. And they forget who got them there. And they do the exact thing that Moses warns about in the book of Deuteronomy. And they start to believe that their wealth and their blessing and their prosperity is from their hands alone. And this is maybe the great sin of Israel. That they forget why they're God's chosen people. They think that it's something special about them. Something unique about them some intrinsic holiness in themselves that God had chosen them to be His own. No, whether patriarch, prophet, priest, or king, or the entire nation as a people, if their mission, if their mission on earth was to be servants of God by being a light to lighten the Gentile nations, and proclaim the one only true and living God, and point to Him as the one who, sent a, who would send a Savior from sin, if their mission was to make known to all the islands and distant nations the promises of the Lord, then they failed, and they failed miserably. If you look at the book of Isaiah, that's what he spends a good time a good deal of time doing throughout his book he continuously reminds God's people Israel it's not about you you messed up you failed you called yourself servants of the Lord but you serve only yourself and you serve other gods you serve money you serve popularity you serve power harsh law preaching a little dose of reality. But then we come here to Isaiah chapter 49 in the first six verses. And Isaiah reminds them why they were God's chosen people. He reminds them that uh, in a unique way here, he reminds them that they're the quiver. They're the quiver for the arrow. They're the sheath in which the, the sword is, uh, is kept. They are the vessel by which the Lord will bring salvation. And here we have these comforting words of Isaiah where he reminds Israel of the great promise that brought them together. The, the promise that they clung to. Whether patriarch, prophet, priest, or king. 
He says, listen to me, you distant islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, He spoke in my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of His hand, He hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in His quiver. He said to me, You are My servant, Israel, in whom I will display My splendor. This is the Lord speaking here through the prophet. The Lord speaking, the Lord Himself speaking through the prophet. And do you see what He does here? The Lord condenses and narrows down and puts the full weight of all of Israel's long list of failed servants on the shoulders of one. The plural turns into the singular. One champion, one name, one special sword to pierce the heart of the devil, and one polished arrow to do what the rest of the arrows in the quiver could have not could not do. And he was hidden. He was kept safe for the right place at the right time. This one would do what no one else could. And in these words, forces God's people of the Old Testament and still us today to say, look, this, the one talking here, this is the servant of the Lord. We find out He was hidden and protected for the right place and the right time. And you might think back to the life of Jesus in the New Testament. You remember how Mary and Joseph fled after Jesus was born. They fled down to Egypt to escape the murderous plots of King Herod. Or in the next verse, we hear the, the servants uh, speak through the prophet Isaiah that he had spent his strength, he labored in vain, and spent his strength for nothing. You recall Jesus looking over Jerusalem with tears in His eyes? And He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks underneath her wings, but you were not willing. The Old Testament does this cool thing sometimes um, that the New Testament doesn't even do. Uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels, um, they're, they're able to tell the story. But it's like a third person. Like you're watching it from the outside. Uh, the Old Testament, uh, through the words of Isaiah and sometimes in the Psalms, it puts you right in the mind of Jesus. It puts you right in the mind of the servant. I've spent my strength for nothing. I've labored in vain. Why does He say that? Because He sees the stubbornness. And He sees the hard-heartedness of God's people that He was sent to save. When he's standing on that mountaintop overlooking Jerusalem with those tears in his eyes, he's spent, he's tired, he's almost totally burned out. He's been rejected. And he knows what lies ahead of him in that city. We know what it feels like to be tired and burned out. We know what it feels like to be rejected. It hurts. And when Jesus says this, he's not sinning, he's not complaining, he's stating the obvious. Yet, what does He do? We see the perfect obedience of the servant in a way that nobody else could. He goes forward and He presses onward knowing as He says in Isaiah's words, I am honored in the eyes of the Lord. I might not be honored among my own people. My own disciples might have their own doubts about me. 
that city down there might reject me and I know that they're going to kill me. doesn't matter. I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and God has been my strength. Look at the servant. What a wonder he is. For he marches forward, he goes onward, he goes down that mountain not to achieve some earthly glory or to accomplish some earthly goal. He presses on for the sake of those who plotted against him. He goes forward for the sake of the disciples who would fall asleep at the foot of a tree while they were trying to watch with him. He goes forward to die for those who would cry out for his death. He sheds his blood for the very ones who put the nails in his hands. He presses onward for a nation of people who were supposed to be God's servants. Patriarchs, prophets, priests, and kings. Ones who failed to be a light to lighten the Gentiles. And when it looks like he's defeated, when the sun goes black on that day, and the servant draws his last breath, when it looks like that is it, and the greatest irony of all human history, that is the moment of victory. It's when the Son of Man is lifted up on the cross. As the Lord says through Isaiah, in Him I will display My splendor. There it is. As St. Paul triumphing over, uh, as St. Paul says, he triumphs, makes a public spectacle. Triumphing over the powers of sin, death, and the devil by the cross. The perfect servant. Look at what he does. Look at who he is. As he does what no one else could do. If you've had me in Bible class before, or we've had a chance to sit down and study Isaiah together, um, you maybe have heard me say something like this. I think a really good way to think of the book of Isaiah is like an hourglass. Uh, on the top, um, it's broad. It's full of grains of sand. That's Old Testament Israel. But then what does an hourglass do? It goes to the spot where only one single grain of sand can fall through. And that one single grain of sand is Christ. But then what happens? The hourglass bows out again. It broadens back out to many servants. The Lord says it's too small a thing for you to be My servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. Too small a thing just for Israel or for a small group of people. It will, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles. I'm going to send you to do what they failed to do. And you will accomplish that. That My salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Look at how the Lord's servant is like the linchpin that holds together both ends of God's people. Both Old Testament and New. We have the same promise right there in the middle. Jesus doesn't die for a select group of people. He doesn't die for a, a select group of sinners and restore only them. He doesn't die for uh, those who have been brought to faith in Him. Only for those who have been brought to faith in Him. No, this is our mission. We're at the bottom half of the hourglass. 
We are servants of the servant. And the Lord calls us to show others Jesus and say, look at the servant. Show them that He died for failures. Failures like you and I. Show them how He pressed on to do it even when He was rejected and tired and broken Himself. We've been called to show people who won't believe it because they think they don't need Him. Show people that think that the message is maybe even too good to be true. Show people who even want to reject the servant. People who say that Christians or the church is full of nothing but hypocrites and failures. Yeah, exactly right. That's why we're here. Christianity is not about our ability to serve or some great thing that we have done. It's never been. Just like God's Old Testament people, we are a long list of failures too. And saying that you don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites It's kind of like saying, I don't want to go to the gym because it's full of out of shape people. Or on the other hand, it's equally ridiculous to say, I want to go to church because it's full of good people like me. No. This morning we have the Lord's Supper. And as we we say, we, we are all instructed to do what before we approach the Lord's table? Examine ourselves. And as we think of ourselves as servants, as we think of ourselves as husbands or wives or mothers or fathers or children or students or employers or employees, have you carried out your duty perfectly? Have you served perfectly? The answer is no. We complain and we fail. Throw in the towel too often. We get to the list of the Ten Commandments and we realize that we can't even get past number one. You shall have no other gods. Well, money was my God the other day. Or popularity was my God the other day. I myself was my own God the other day. And we realize that we too are a long list of failures. Which is why we're not looking to ourselves as some great servants of God. We only preach, teach, share, and look at the servant of the Lord. And so really the mission is always is the same as it always was. Whether you're in the Old Testament or in the New, whether it's thousands of years ago or today, as frail and as flawed and as weak, And as many times as we fail as servants of God, the Lord has still given us this great treasure. He's handed us this great privilege and He's given us this great trust of saying to those around us, look at the servant of the Lord. Not what I do. Look at what He has done. Look at what He's done for you. Look at the promises He's made for His people. Look at the promises He's made to the world that whoever should believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life because of how He served. 
Amen. That's all there is for today, but we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this, Monday through Friday, and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidji.org.